Coming up on the Dilipram All-Rounder podcast, we have NRL this week, National Rugby League, State of Origin 2014, a great series, a memorable series, and we'll do a deep dive into it. Dr. Anubhav Saxena is my guest. It's his debut episode. Very excited to have him on shortly. It's an interesting episode because we really explore our love for rugby league, how it started, how State of Origin started, and we look at some of the top five moments of the State of Origin. I look at the context of what was happening in 2014. We'll look at Apex performances, some embrace debate topics. It's just a new sort of thing that I want to do where we look at some topical issues in rugby league or sporting in general, and Bob and I will debate it. Uh, particularly one of the interesting ones we did today was Cam Smith versus Andrew Johns, who's better? I'm a, I'm a Knights fan, so I think you might know my answer. Got a lot of great other content coming up in the next few weeks. English Premier League, Leicester football, basketball, and a lot, lot more. If you like my podcast, you can always find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other big podcast platforms. Just make sure to download it and like and subscribe. So when you see that download button, download it. Download it as many times as you want. It will help my numbers. I'll see you right after this. Hello and welcome to the Dilipram All-Rounder podcast. It is the 10th of September and we are recording at around 4 p.m. Today, my guest is Dr. Anubhav Saxena, a man of many talents. We'll introduce him shortly. And today we are going to be talking about State of Origin Rugby League and particularly the 2014 State of Origin. One of the most exciting and challenging and memorable State of Origin series in a long time, and that's why we're going to talk about it. Above, we go back a long ways. I mean, you do remember when we first met, don't you? I very clearly remember our first meeting back in Year 5. In Year 5, yes, at a tutoring tutoring workshop. Bav, if you could have decided one sport where you wanted to sort of excel and show you, showcase your skills, which sport would it have been where you could have been an athlete? Rugby league. You reckon? 100%. Parramatta Eels. That's what it would have been. So any sport in the world, it would have been a rugby league superstar. Yeah, I think so. And what position? Fullback. I see. Well, I mean, I do remember playing rugby league with you, touch football with you, and you were always in the halves and you were always kicking after one set or after <laughs> one tackle. So Chip I don't, and chase king, that's me. I don't really believe that you would have been a fullback. I think you would have been 5'8 or halfback, but I get it. Fullback's good. It's a glamorous position. Now, before we get into it, no context. Who's the GOAT? Sachin Tendulkar. Any reason? I'm Indian. That's all I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> that somewhat brings us to the topic of the day, which is the 2014 State of Origin, Mate Against Mate, State Against State Rugby League. I'm kind of interested in understanding from you, Bob, what does rugby league actually mean to you? I mean, it's a sport that's played primarily on the east coast of New South Wales, but growing up, have you, has it got a you know, special place in your heart? Yeah, so rugby league, I really started getting into it in 2005. Um, I watched the Australia, Australia International Series with New Zealand back then. And I remember seeing Sam Thiday playing all the way back then. And, um, Slam and Sam. Slam and Sam and Nathan Hindmarsh with his seedy mo. <laughs> 
And um, that's the first time I watched rugby league. Like I'd seen games before, yeah. but I'd not, um, not been that into it. But that's when I really started following it more closely. And then um, I lived in, I grew, lived and grew up in Parramatta. So Parramatta Eels was my natural team. And I started getting more and more into it then. And that actually yeah. coincided with this um, horror run in Origin. I, my first game that I ever watched, it was unintended. I was at a family friend's house and it was 1997. And the first game I saw was the NRL Grand Final where Manly were playing the Newcastle Knights. And I have no affiliation with Newcastle other than the fact that they were the first team I saw and they won that game. And so I started having this special feeling or association with, with the Knights. Um, I mean, rugby league in general, it has a very rich history within Australian culture and particularly the East Coast of Australia. If you look at New South Wales, Queensland, those two states live and breathe rugby league. You would have seen but the, the back pages of all newspapers during the winter years is just NRL particularly in New South Wales. I mean, I would try and there was a time when I would be watching AFL and rugby league, but all new, all journalists or sports journalists need to have a rugby league background in order to thrive. And I think that says something about the sport. Yeah. Especially in Sydney. Um, I mean, there's recent years, soccer, AFL, it's been gaining traction, but when we were younger, I think rugby league, especially just around the place, everyone, yeah, would just be throwing on their jerseys. They'd, um, you'd see people walking around in merch all the time. I yeah. barely saw AFL. You'd never see it. No. You'd never see it. And for me, I have this special sort of connection with it because when I was in school, so say 2003, 2004, 2005, we were both at schools where you didn't play rugby league. Mm. But I would come home and I used to listen to a lot of AM radio so I'd be listening to 2UE and 2GB and all the time after school, it would be these sports shows and all they would talk about was rugby league. And then on Thursday night, rugby footy league, show. it was a footy show. Yeah, yeah. And you had Fatty Vorton, Peter Sterling, Chief, Paul Harrigan, Matty Johns. They were names that were synonymous with rugby league and they really popularized the sport for those people that may not even have enjoyed the sport. They had something entertaining on a Thursday night. I remember my dad somehow brought home this DVD, which is... Um, <laughs> the best of? The best of footy show. <laughs> and um, I remember re-watching it recently, and Peter Sterling was the most unfunny person on that show. Yeah. And he was <laughs> replaced later by Bo Ryan, who also contributed nothing. And then Michael Slater for a period of time. <laughs> You're being harsh Before, on Bo Ryan. Everyone loved Bo Ryan. Uh, I don't have any time for Bo Ryan. <laughs> A name synonymous with league and someone we may talk about even when we come to origin was Ray Warren. And I think he was very important to rugby league success. Little, it's very rare that you have a, have a commentator or someone who was as big as the, the game itself. Time Ray Warren was commentating, I had to turn it on because it really got me excited into the sport. I think Ray Warren contributed as much as Phil Gould detracted from the commentary team. You don't like Phil Gould? No. <laughs> So I guess that takes us to origin itself. When I say state of origin, what's the first thing that sort of enters your mind? Just those, um, just those years after years where we were sitting at Shibalik's couch, just watching um, New South Wales throw away a win in the last 10 minutes. And for people who don't know, Shibalik, uh, a friend of ours, um, a doctor himself, another doctor, but he would, for context, he would 
annually on an annual basis he would invite a lot of his friends over for game one of state of origin It'll always be on a wednesday night yeah and, and there'll always be i don't know everyone listening on everyone will probably have one mate who grew up in new south wales spent yeah. all their time here but for some reason supported queensland <laughs> we had that one mate. we won't name him but um he wasn't born in, he has no affiliation with Queensland other than... He spent three months, um, three months of his life in Queensland on, a, on an extended holiday. <laughs> and he became a big Queensland supporter. For me, State of Origin was those words that I said before, which made against mate, state against state. And I think TV Channel 9 made a lot of money just uttering those words. And people sort of, it became synonymous with Origin. That, those blue jerseys, those maroon jerseys. The concept was also trialed and used in the AFL as well, but rather than New South Wales and Queensland, the AFL would use Victoria versus perhaps the rest of Australia or Victoria and Perth. But it is interesting that that concept never actually took off in the AFL. But the thing is, there's not the same, um, no one hates Victoria and everyone hates um, outside of New South Wales for some reason hates New South Wales. Yeah, and I didn't really understand this until I was um, <laughs> I was speaking to one of my one of my one of my friends who was a Queenslander himself, and the the background to this hatred was um, he randomly started calling me out saying that you're from New South Wales, you think you're better than us because um, Captain Cook settled in New South Wales first. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, I didn't realize that was even some sort of <laughs> inferiority complex that was around Australia. That yeah. Anyone had that view about New South Wales? The State of Origin itself, it was a series that was an annual best of three, three game series. There were a couple of years where it was just a one, one match competition. But it's been since its establishment, New South Wales and Queensland, the two major states partaking in this competition. It's regarded by many as Australia's greatest sporting rivalry, something we can talk about. But it's regularly described as the pinnacle of rugby league even in comparison with international matches. Players are selected to represent the state in which they played their first senior rugby league game, either in high school or their senior club. That distinction has created a lot of controversy over the years with a lot of players playing some of their rugby as a, as a junior in a different state, but then somehow being selected for another state. You remember Greg Inglis. It really should be, it should be where you actually elect to want to play, I feel. As mm -hmm. in... There was recently, um, Kiri, he was, he clearly stated he wanted to play for Queensland. Um, but under that first game that he played, he had to play for New South Wales. And then he readjusted a narrative to say that, yeah, I support New South Wales and this is what I've always wanted to do. But as a New South Welshman, I wouldn't want someone like putting on the blue jersey if they don't actually bleed blue. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one because you have to have some sort of rules. They, they relax the rules with someone like Jerome Luai, who uh, played for Samoa during the Rugby League, Rugby League World Cup, but then was eligible to play for New South Wales. It's a bit hard to... But I don't have a problem with that, because if you exclude those sorts of players, then there's no way that any of the good players... Because everyone wants to play Origin, because yeah. apart from the... It's lucrative, but it also is a high-quality game yes. than the international game. So if you exclude the Samoan, Tongan players and Fijian players from that, from being able to play, then you're actually going to impact the international game as well. Yeah, it's a good point. I think rugby league is in a very interesting spot where the domestic game is a lot stronger than the international game. 
at the moment. The the rebuttal to that is a lot of people come out and say that state of origin is meant to be the um, selection grounds for inter- for Australian selection. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a bit more confusing. Yes. And we don't have an answer to that today. It's going to become a more complicated question down the track when these smaller nations start getting stronger. And they won't be qualified as the, um, I don't know if it's called tier two or tier... Yeah. That, that Say some more. They made the Rugby League World Cup final. Australian rugby is happy to still allow those players to play instead of rugby. That's going to be a question that will come um, down the track. But in 2014, we were in a different time. So what was going on in 2014? You had... From a world perspective, the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 disappeared. Uh, Scotland voted to remain part of the United Kingdom in 2014. Narendra Modi for BJP won the Indian election in 2014. And then we come from a rugby league perspective. It was the 107th season of professional rugby league in Australia and the 17th season of the National Rugby League in Australia. And it was a really interesting time in rugby above because we saw a rise in head contact and, and injuries, but that stigma associated with concussion still wasn't there. And so I think it was one of those years where there was still a lot of high, high impact collisions and people were just playing the game without complaining about those sort of issues. Yeah, true. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I've done absolutely no research into this, but um, I'm pretty sure the year before is where um, Gallon had punched Miles. And after that, they had said, you can't, if you punch anyone during the course of a game, you're going to get sent off or you, you're off straight away. So I think that it was introduced in the season prior to in around, around, that, around time. that time. So another thing to know is, as we're going into Origin in 2014, everyone could just push and shove, but there's no punches. That's yes. out of the game at this stage. But it's interesting that you could do that and the instant reaction wasn't, you should be banned for 10 games. It was, hey, that's not on. It was a very, like, you know, just that the attitude towards physical altercations and fights and punches wasn't what it would be now. If you had that now, you're getting a 10-match ban. No, but I remember also, like, leading into Origin, the main thing that everyone would be watching, like, pull up a YouTube for <laughs> State of Origin best fights. Best biffs. Best, best biffs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then that was a huge part of origin everyone was fired up and um that's what you wanted to see but if you watch season, like series now it's not that they they still do get fired up but it's um i guess everyone's a lot more everyone's mates outside the game yeah with social media you see that they're all out partying after so it's not really after the game they're all just having a beer and chilling i think and if you hear one of um like freddie in the eighth one of those interviews when they talk about it it's such a um such a casual approach you know like they're having a few beers the yeah. night before, the, the just getting smashed, not even worried about it. The, I guess, the workout regimen that everyone has now, the um, the dedication that they have to recovery and all these things, it's a very so different, different. Yeah, It's completely different. Everyone's doing an aquatic after every training On the session. Monday. Yeah. You'd always see that on Channel 9 News, <laughs> you'd have the rugby league game and then you'd see the boys in the pool doing an aquatic on the Monday morning. Back then, if anyone um, had a huge eye, they'd be on the drip or stomach bug. <laughs> Hospital drip. That, that term is synonymous with rugby league players. But in 2014, we as New South Wales fans, we didn't really have much to celebrate about. Queensland was still a juggernaut, having won eight in a row and their core still being intact. I think here I want to just touch on 
the lead up to the 2014 series. Yes. So as I said, I really started getting into rugby league 2005. I watched us get decked year after year from 2006 <laughs> to 2013. It was the wrong time to get into league as a New South Wales fan. Yeah, but it was um, it was still a very interesting time because like earlier on in those series, we'd been um, there'd been a number of dead rappers where Queensland had won the first two games that happened in 2007 and 2009. Then there was a clean sweep in 2010. But now if you look at the three years leading up to 2014, we came agonizingly close every time. So it was every one of those series, the last three, was um, went to a decider. Yes. In 2011, we lost 32-24. In 2012, we lost 21-20. And in 2013, we lost 10-12. So it's, it's less than, I guess, less than two points in the two years leading to. So it seemed like we were just at the cusp, at the precipice of overcoming that barrier. That's a good point. And I think um, that actually shows that in 2012-13, where we lost by just a couple of points, it wasn't that this team is not uh, unbeatable. Yeah. We is a mentality thing. I think that New South Wales still has that problem now. Yeah. They could even have a better team and they still find a way to choke. Yeah. Uh, You're right. The, the, The previous three years were very close series where perhaps... From my perspective, it just felt like the better team deserved to win. And Queensland had a better core. Um, they had better players in all the key positions. And for me, that's why I thought they would ultimately win the series. Yeah, but I don't know if that actually matters that much. But if they were a better team, it wasn't that... Like in, in those two series leading up, we had just lost by a point in the, front, in the decider and mm. then two points in the other decider. So it's not like we were getting steamrolled in these games. No. And so... And everyone always talks about, you know, champion team and team of champions. Queensland was a champion team of champions. It was just, they're really gun. Every single position was um, was one of the best players in that in that era. You're right. And for us to, I mean, I know it's a defeatist attitude to say this, but for us to come close in those years shows that it didn't really matter that they were that much better in terms of position for position if you line up those players. Yeah, journalists and at the time in 2014 were all saying that this was one of the most important series for New South Wales. I think that's easy to say in hindsight when they ultimately won the series, but the reaction to it was overwhelming uh, when they ultimately won. Nick Compton from the ABC said that 2014 New South Wales origin side is the most important Blues team of this century and the magnitude of their achievement in ending that eight-year streak is one of you know the state's finest hours. Big Buzz Rothfield, who's a very herald, famous uh, journalist, said that the 2014 Blues team led by Gallon was better than most other New South Wales teams of all time. I don't know if, you know, that's a big statement. Just one thing though on this, the, um, if you actually think about it over a, what is it? Over a 12 year period, we won one series. So even though we did, it sort of was expected that we're, we're due to end this, this run because origin prior to this had never been such a one-sided affair. No. So it's sort of um, it's sort of sad that we're like, this is such a big moment for us. When for Queenslanders, it's, it's like a run-of-the-mill origin series. not a big deal. I, I want to get into hot seat, but on that point, part of me also thinks that origin as a concept would only have been successful if Queensland is competitive. If the shoe was on the other foot, and New South Wales was winning 10 years in a row, 
I have fears that the the origin concept may have died because it 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 just feels like it can survive when New South Wales isn't great because people will still sort of get behind it and, and watch it. But everyone wants to watch New South Wales. Everyone wants to watch New South Wales lose. Yeah. But if New South Wales is a juggernaut, I can see journalists and the sporting code come up with reasons as to what changes could be made to make it more equal. I think it was just a perfect time for Queensland where they had this eight-year period, some of the greatest players of all time. You know, you had players like Darren Lockyer retire after 2011 or 12. Yeah. And the team didn't lose lose a step. They were still the great team that they were. So when we go to the origin itself, coming into hot seat, what was happening just prior to this series? Um, where was there anyone under pressure? For me, it was the New South Wales coaches. I mean, we've just been cycling coaches and cycling halves pairings. I think that was something that no one could work out what actually we needed to do. But New, uh, we had a, New South Wales had a lot of strong coaches who were given a very short leash to perform well. You had... Bellamy but, was given three years and then Ricky Stewart had two years and Graham Murray had two years as well. So I'm not sure if it's if they're given not enough time. Mm. But um, Bellamy had a good stint and um, everyone thought that he would, he would turn things around. But in, in rugby league, is a good coach only determined or evaluated based on their results or is it style of play? I think the analysis in rugby league can sometimes be quite amateurish. I think we only look to the end result and then justify whether the coach had a strong performance or not. If you take a step back and view it objectively, did Bellamy or Ricky Stewart's squad, did they have a team that could compete against these Queensland juggernaut teams? Sometimes if your team is so much better, Coaching can only take you so far. I think you're actually right. Also, the early years of this dynasty, Queensland dynasty, 2006 to 2009, we didn't, like 2010 even, we didn't have as many um, standout players as we would have had in the 11, 12, 13 and yeah. 14. So I think that is something as well. They, were, they had not as good players to work with. Um, but on the, I guess someone would say, reply back to me and say, well, Wayne Bennett in two, three years ago in origin and the teams that Billy Slater's picked in the last few years where they've won, a lot of journalists and conventional media would say that the Queensland team was far inferior, yet they still were able to win. So I don't know whether that, um, whether that holds water, but... I think it does. And I think um, I used to think before that um, the coaching doesn't matter as much and it's the team and if you have a gun list of plays you're sorted yeah but we've seen that new south wales struggled in the last few years and the other thing you've mentioned it it was the new south wales halves i mean the halves combination for new south wales was once again changed and modified you had mitchell pierce and james maloney who was supposed to be the halves combination for new south wales pierce found himself in a lot of trouble he had a loose night out he had a night out in the cross and 20k fine from the roosters and then that's um, a big fine at the time, that's a big fine. That's a big fine. And so he was taken out of the team and we had this unheralded combination of Trent Hodkinson and 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 uh, Adam Reynolds. No, Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, I'm thinking Adam Reynolds nowadays. Um, Adam Reynolds had played the year before, I think. Yeah, but that combination, I have to give Laurie some credit here. He picked two players who were playing together. And I think so that was important. Bulldogs were peaking in that year, though. Bulldogs ended up in the grand final in 2014. So I think they were the in-form halves pairing. 
and it made sense to pick them together. And Josh Reynolds had a bit of mongrel about him and, um, you know, Gus would go and say, like, this is what origin is. Like, that's what, <laughs> that's what he brings to the table. And I think that's why they picked him because he can get under, he's a, he's a grub. Yeah, yeah. And you're using that in a, in a complimentary sense. I'm using that in, like, in a colloquial sense yeah. used in rugby league. That's yeah, exactly. Say. Leading up to game one, the one thing that made me feel pessimistic about this series was that New South Wales was supposed to host two of the three games that year. Australian Rugby League had just uh, organised its dates for the next five years of origin and it decided that Queensland would host two. So I felt even less optimistic coming into 2014 that we would be able to win one at Suncorp Stadium. But coming into game one, we had this very new team. Daniel Tupo joined Hodgkinson in making their New South Wales debut. And... It was Jared Hayne having returned from some... He, had, he was injured in the previous two games of 2013 coming into the team. And for the Maroons, Aidan Guerra made his debut and Matt Gillette was also making his first start. That game won both. It was a low-scoring affair. Both teams prided themselves on playing physical, hard football with just fantastic defense and limited offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. But we need to address the fact that Kronk got injured in the seventh minute. Because you watch the first seven minutes, Queensland looking really dangerous. <laughs> and as soon as that switch happens, you can actually see the struggle with um, with DC, D- D- Daily Cherry Evans coming in. He's, um, he's trying to organise, he's trying to work alongside Thurston where he hasn't actually had that chemistry and combination with him in the past. And you can see they're struggling from the get-go. So that game one... It was Darius Boyd scoring two tries, New South Wales hanging in there, playing good, hard football. They got tries through uh, Brett Morris and Jared Hayne in that first half. And ultimately, they were able to sneak home. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But like even going back to that, where you just said Boyd scored twice. His first try was in the fifth minute. So they were already dominating within the first five minutes. Then they, I think Kronk fr- um, fractured his, uh, broke his arm. He did. Yeah, he had an missing um, the second game as well. Missed the second game, and, and actually that's where this whole um, this shift. And I think with the um, unease in the Queensland backs, with that switch with DC coming on, New South Wales started getting confidence and thinking, "Hey, we can actually, we got a chance here. We can target DC. We can target this um, um, lack of chemistry." And that was a huge bonus for us. Something interesting here is Hawkinson was picked, and I remember everyone going on about how he's a he's an elite kicker. Mm. Right? He actually missed two of his conversions. So two out, he got two out of four. But um, there's two penalties. So the two penalties are the end difference, eight twelve. Yes. The so two penalties that's the difference in the end. So it's there's a lot of things that fell in the right place at the right time in the combination and sequence of events that ended up being a positive for New South Wales in this game. I'm not, and I'm not saying that it wasn't a huge game for us and it wasn't a huge performance, but um, we had a bit of assistance. In, we had the rub of the green. We did, but we deserved it. This I was... think we were due. Like, everyone would agree. Hand on my heart, I can say we were due this. We were due some green. luck. Yeah. Game two was even closer. He had bad tempers and brutal defense. I'm pretty sure I hosted this game. We were at my house when we were watching watching this. Um, and I, I remember being interested throughout. It was, but if, when I re-watched the game, 
I was just thinking, and this is what um, Ravs would say, this is a good old-fashioned arm wrestle. That's all it was. The whole, there was, it was just played in the midfield the whole game, back and forth. And um, there were very few line breaks, very few, um, very few missed tackles. Everyone, it was very tight in that second game. And um, I think it was Queensland, two, two penalties. Yep, to Thurston. And then New South Wales literally were just hanging on the whole game. <laughs> well, it, they- was, it was 4-0 to Queensland. Thurston actually in kicking his second penalty past Mal Meninga as the leading origin point scorer. But up until that 70th minute, Queensland had also had a try that was, it was 50-50 about whether it would be given to Sam Thayday. Oh, yeah. Had they scored there, I think the game would have been over. I didn't think New South Wales had the offensive skill to score more than 10 points. And, and they were, didn't need to. <laughs> there was a few um, very, very close tries yes. for Queensland there. They just just stopped short. few um, very near tries. And then, randomly out of nowhere, Hawkinson, who's been called out in the media for not running the ball enough and um, really not having a go. Not being an origin quality, like an origin level halfback. Yeah, somehow he's shifting from right side of the field to the left. It's a great try. It actually is. You don't even expect him to do no. it. No. <laughs> You're seeing him run and we're just watching him. I remember watching him and just like, where's he going? He's running sideways. And suddenly he just <laughs> splits through and he scores. Everyone's in disbelief. They, they bought the dummy. They thought he was going to pass it and he had a clear gap. He didn't get touched. No one even He didn't get touched. And he had the wherewithal and the smarts to... Improve the kicking angle. And improve the kicking angle. <laughs> Taking 6-4 lead and we found out at the end of game two... That was enough. That's all New South Wales needed to win the series. They they won that game 6-4. I think we had spoken about it, Bub, that once New South Wales won that series 2-0, the third game was immaterial. It wasn't important. I don't want to spend a minute of it on it. It didn't matter. And uh, the scoreline probably doesn't doesn't reflect the, the, the competitive nature of that game. Queensland pulled away at the end. They scored a lot of tries. But up until halftime of um, game three, I think it was fourteen eight until the sixtieth minute, yep. and then they pulled away with three tries in the seventieth minute. In somewhat controversial circumstances, they delayed the trophy celebration till after game three. After they got smashed. Yeah, and so it was a bit <laughs> of a mixed feelings when New South Wales had just been drubbed in the in game three, and then were given the trophy to hoist in front of Queensland supporters. Yeah, I mean that is it is what it is, but the the emotion after the second game that you see in all the players when they've won, I don't think I've seen that. I haven't seen that. They were all crying. It was like a... I think it was a very together team. It was a team that knew that their skill set was limited with respect. I mean, we're we're just commenting on these rugby league superstar athletes and saying their skill set was limited. That series... For us, it ended after the second game. The series ended up being 2-1. We'll be right back after this. Paul Gallant. The reception awaits. What's this? Bang, that gets your shoulder blades together. Okay, welcome back. Bav, I want to go through firstly the top five moments. The series was so low scoring that I actually found it difficult to come up with moments. 
because when New South Wales won, a lot of it was off the back of great defense, but that's not new. That's not really a moment. I want you to jump in if I miss any, but the first one was the series winning try. It was Trent Hodgkinson in game two. That 70 minutes try, we covered it. But for me, that's the number one moment of the series. Number one moment for me is um, the try saver in the second game. Right. Okay. Uh, Hain, there was a lot of try savers. Are you talking about Hain on thigh day? He must not be named. <laughs> I think when we talk about Hain in 2014, Hain's obviously had a checkered history since then, a lot of personal issues, a lot of uh, he's been in trouble with the law. But in 2014, contextually from 2009 to 2014, Jared Hain was the number one player in the world. And this was probably his crowning achievement when we, we might go through it later. But is that the top moment, do you think, for you, the, the defensive efforts by New South Wales, particularly Hain? I think that was that was one of the top moments because it there's a momentum shift there that um that showed that New South Wales was there to play they were there to defend they could stand up in those tense moments that was a that was a key moment for me but fo- closely followed by um Trent Hodkinson's try I mean Hodkinson's try was just as we said nobody expected it and so when he did it the way he slides through, I still can't get over that. Yeah, he never did it again. <laughs> the, just on that, neither. I don't think he played Origin. <laughs> he played like two more Origin games. We'll save that because I want to. I want to <laughs> go through Hodkinson in an, in another category. But for me, number two was Brett Morris. His try saving tackle in game one on Darius Boyd. It seemed like a certain try. I think he dislocated. Oh, he f- dislocated he had a shoulder. Um, shoulder injury or shoulder. Fracture. Shoulder. It was a shoulder injury dislocated in the first half and then used that same shoulder to ensure that Darius Boyd couldn't score on the sideline. That was a sensational moment which secured the win for New South Wales in game one. Yep, and closely followed by his brother, I think in the last 15 or 20 minutes, there's a break that Inglis makes down the left wing. and um, In game one? I think it's game one as yeah. well. And Josh Morris... I think he'd done his MCL and he was off on the sideline and the trainer's like, you can't go back back out there. And he sees this break unfolding. And he runs back. He runs back on. He makes that tackle. And then I think he goes back off and that's the end. So strangely, the Morris twins, they play this huge role in game one. They do. And then they're gone. They're gone. They're in suits in game two. (laughs) I just remember seeing him celebrating in suits. That's one thing I love about Origin is the players that weren't playing, they'd come in these either blue or maroon suits and they'd look so posh, so professional on the sidelines and you think this is really Origin. Is it really necessary to be wearing suits though? <laughs> they're fully suited up in ties as well. They look like investment bankers on the sideline, but they're, you know, they're big rugby league players. Uh, Brett Morris, you're right. He, in 2014... I could never differentiate between Brett and Josh Morris. I would never know the difference. They no were, one would expect you to. You, you just wouldn't be able to. Um, one was playing for the Canterbury Bulldogs. One was playing for the Dragons, but I could never tell who was who. Yeah, and they both ended up racking up really good stats. For me, number three was the Jared Hayne try in game one. I use that because I feel as if he needed to have one of those moments because he played such a starring role in the series. But that try, it was very Hain-esque because it seemed like he was uh, brought down to the floor by, by the tackler and then he was able to continue his momentum and prevent what would have been a double movement 
and still score, which brought New South Wales back into the game. And he was getting tackled by Thurston, Smith and Inglis at the time. So he was targeting the key players, the key part of the spine, and he just swiveled his way through to the line. White line fever. And just a comment here. In, this, in the eight in a row leading up to this, of the 16 tries that New South Wales had scored in those eight series losses, eight of those had been scored by Jared Hayne. That's unbelievable. For me, number four is the tackle on Billy Slater to end game one. Game one, the, the siren had gone in the 80th minute and the referee had just awarded, I think, a set, to, uh, like one last plate one to Queensland. Plate, yeah. And they were five yeah. metres out from the line. And I think everyone was standing up. Laurie Daly in the coaching box, if you watch the video, is he's on his knees and he just can't bear to look. And they had one more tackle to go. And I thought they were certain to score. It was the Queensland way that they would score in the final minute to ruin New South Wales' hopes and ambitions. But they made a try-saving tackle on Billy Slater and that set up the series for New South Wales. So I had that as number four. And my final one, it's not a moment on the field, but rather it's a commemoration of origin itself. At the start of game one in Queensland, it was the 100th state of origin game between New South Wales and Queensland. So Queensland did a pre-game uh, celebration of some of the greatest origin players ever. And I felt like it was a moment that only Origin does really well because they had a big crowd where they brought all the big stars. So they brought Wally Lewis, Mark Geyer, Alan Langer, Steve Blocker-Roach, all of these players who'd really put Origin up onto the pedestal. Yeah, look, I don't have any moments to add there. I think that was... Um, happy with those? Happy with those moments? I'm happy to stick with those five. So the next segment I want to go with you, with you, Bob, is Would You Believe That? I had some stats. You picked one that was great, but the, the first stat I wanted to put to you was that this was Mal Meninga's only Origin Series loss as a coach. He famously took the reins up in 2006, won eight straight, then lost. And I think uh, Queensland won the next three and uh, Mal Meninga became the Australian Kangaroos coach. So did he, did he jet after the next three wins? I think he did because he took up the oh, he would have, yeah, cause the, the Australian kangaroo spot. Part of me thinks that um, NRL coaching, particularly at the origin and representative level, is overrated. I don't know how a coach is able to make that much of a difference when they only have such little time with their players. But, but I think that that's changing. If you look at it now, they have um, at the end of the season, they have a they have a meetup where all the origin the rough squad does something in the off season they they're in constant communication and dialogue with the coaches and the coaching staff so i think it's it's in the background throughout the year maybe before it wasn't but now it seems that way do you think being an origin coach or being the coach of australia is the cushiest job in all of sports you oversee three games for the whole year <laughs> yeah i'm sure they pay pretty well because that i'm thinking um the pressure is the the thing. The pressure yeah. will get to him because you have very limited opportunity to really. You, you're really just going to be judged on these three games, really two games. Because if you, yeah, as we said, the third game it could if, be a dead rubber. It's a dead rubber. Yeah. So it, there's high turnover. That's a th maybe that's just a blues a blues thing that I've, we've seen. There's just very high turnover in coaches. Queensland yeah. seems to have. 
I mean, they've they've just they've been better of late, which probably explains why they don't replace their coaches. There's three coaches for Queensland. They've been they've had Mal Meninga. Yeah. They had Wayne Bennett. Oh, Wayne Bennett for a year, I guess Walters, and then yes. now Billy Slater. So I yeah. guess now actually now they've had four. Queen uh, Blues have had about six coaches, I think this year. This. I don't know. I just feel as if um, coaching in at Origin and Kangaroos level is more more about the players rather than the coach. But then the coach does set the. I environment. think Kangaroos coaching is a complete joke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I agree. I'm those with those you there. are all the gun most gun players. Yeah, and easily better. I mean, easily better than even the New Zealand team. Yeah, like it's an anomaly if they don't win. Exactly. There's something wrong with the game if they're not winning. Yeah, Queensland's thirty-two to eight win in game three meant that they outscored the Blues 44-26 across the three matches. This isn't soccer where there's this. <laughs> isn't that shocking? That if, if someone said the gross score after three, three games is 44-26, you would put your money on the team having 44 points winning the series. Look, I, I, I can't comment on that because I think there's a few series where New South Wales has had blowout wins in one or two one of the games. And they've gone on to lose the decider. Yeah, so it does happen. I just found that very interesting when I saw. I was like, I saw forty-four, and I said that must be New South Wales, but no. Uh, but I think that's an irrelevant stat in rugby. I, I'm just that's just me. That's good call. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Queensland's win also made Cameron Smith at the time the first player in state of origin history to win twenty games. I mean, there are NRL players. We were talking about this pre-podcast about Cameron Smith. We might get into him, but. There are players who are lucky to play 20 games, let alone win 20 games. I think that that was an amazing stat for Cameron Smith. Just showed how long and successful of a career he's had. And I think he ends his origin career with a 65% win percentage. Unbelievable win percentage. It, That's just his origin win percentage. I think it's 72% in NRL. I want to do some debate topics with you. I gave you some notice of these, but the first topic I want to hit with you is, is State of Origin the greatest rivalry in sports? I think that's such an easy term to use um, <laughs> when people live in the moment and they say this is the greatest rivalry, New South Wales versus Queensland, but it doesn't have the international exposure that some other sports. So if I was even just off the top of my head, you'd have India-Pakistan. You can't go past India-Pakistan. can't go past that. You'd have Australia-England in the ashes. You can't go past that. What about Australia, England, or India, Pakistan? What's the? I think India, Pakistan for sure, bigger. Yes, India, Pakistan is way bigger, um, and that's just and that's just cricket. I'm not talking about it just by magnitude of numbers. I'm talking about the the raw emotion. Yeah, the history that's yeah. there when they when they play. There is that both countries have been basically at war with each other for for years um it's more than cricket when they play but even if you took out cricket i would say that australia new zealand in rugby union is arguably bigger or just as equal to new south wales playing queensland in in rugby league so i i think it's such an easy statement to make it makes it makes for good tv marketing but, but, but is australia new zealand and rugby union almost like a drawn out version of the eight in a row for Queensland. That seems to be the ongoing theme with the Australian New Zealand in Union. The rivalry, it's not really a rivalry at the moment. You're right in saying that. I think New Zealand holds the Bledisloe Cup for the last 20 years. Yes, I think what you're saying, <laughs> what you're, what's happened here is what you were warning about for Origin, for New South Wales and Queensland, what happens if New South Wales would keep winning, 
this is what's happened with Australia, New Zealand in obviously in the, the top the topic for today is not rugby union, but if we just looked at it for one second, the downfall of the Wallabies or Australia as a rugby union nation, for example, not hold not winning a Bledisloe Cup for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about rugby union at the moment. It's almost an afterthought in the Australian public. I haven't watched a game in five years. You haven't watched a game in five years. And and your school, my school, both of our schools played and prayed and celebrated rugby union. And so that just shows how far the sport has fallen. And so that sort of went to my point as to if New South Wales was playing Queensland and New South Wales is dominating, I have fears or concerns that Origin wouldn't be what it is today. You're up at night thinking about it and so is Fitzy. <laughs> I'm having sleepless nights thinking about what would happen if New South Wales was dominating because I've never seen it. The second point or topic I want to talk with you, Bob, talk about with you is this. And I'm biased about this because I'm, New- I'm a Newcastle Knights fan. But a lot of people, when Cameron Smith retired, including Joey Johns himself, have called him the greatest rugby league player of all time. Cam Smith, Joey Johns... Who's better? I'm the and this is two podcasters just talking talking about it. It's just our views. This is us just talking smack but um, <laughs> and having limited research and understanding <laughs> of the game. But look, I hate Queensland and I'll hand on my heart I can say, and you know this, I, I don't like Cam Smith. Agree. But, but let's just do the comparison here. And I'm just talking numbers and this is just off my five minutes of Wikipedia search. Right. <laughs> So Cam Smith, 430 games, John's 249. It's a big difference. Cam Smith, 2786 points versus 2176. So about 700 more points. Okay. Most points in the history of NRL. Yep. Most games played, highest points, highest goals kicked, 72% win ratio. He's played 42 origins to um, Joey's 23. He's played 56 games for Australia versus Joey's 26. He's won two Dalians. Joey's won three. So Joey's ahead there. He's had three premierships, two cancelled, so potentially five. He's played in nine grand finals. And Joey's played in two grand finals, I think. Yes. And won two. Yes. So it's a two from two versus three from, or five from nine. So there's that. And then he's won 11 Origin series. And Joey's played in five Origin winning series. So you've, you've recited some very relevant statistics there. The one you missed, maybe it's not as big, but Joey has a lot more tries. I, I really had, I skipped over that. He had 80 tries. I was suiting my narrative. <laughs> <laughs> but put aside the, I, do you read those stats and do you say in your view, in your heart, does that lean you towards Cam Smith as the better player? I think it just on numbers and I believe in data. As um, Vivek Ramaswamy would say. <laughs> but if you look at the numbers, it's hard to it's hard to make the argument against. But I think if you watch the games and the skill that Joey has is obviously higher. Mm. As as an individual player. So when I looked at those stats and when I heard those stats, I have to concede Joey Johns is not winning a statistics battle with Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith had a longer career, had a very successful career. His teammates included Greg Inglis for a long period of time, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk. 
before Cooper Cronk left. And Israel Folau. And Israel Folau. So it's very difficult to then put in team success and attribute that solely to Cameron Smith. But I would say Cameron Smith had a large part to play given his role as scrum half or hooker for the Melbourne Storm. I personally think that Johns had probably slightly more influence when he played. I mean, Smith was an amazing player and controlled the game, but I distinctly remember periods of Newcastle Knights history where Johns was injured for 15 games and they went winless. And the game that he came back from his injury, they started winning again. Johns had this ability to marshal troops, to lead from the front. He was a great defensive halfback. People overlook that sometimes. They look at what he brought on the other side of the ball. But he was one of the best defensive halfbacks of all time. He's also an immortal. And his three Dalliums just showed that he was a consistent player who consistently was always at the top of his game for Newcastle over a shorter period of time. Whether a lot of people say Cam Smith's a better player, that's probably fine. Statistics-wise, I don't think it's a, it's a fair fight. Cam Smith has just been so successful over a longer period of time. It's a tough one. I don't think there's an easy winner. I think if you're a New South Wales fan, you might say Joey's the, the greatest player of all time. And that's probably why he was inducted as an immortal so, you know, so quickly after his retirement. But Joey himself has um, conceded that Cam Smith is probably the most influential and greatest player of all time. So if, if the man, my hero, says it himself, who are we to cavil with that? The final one I want to ask you about, Bub, is what do we do about NRL crowds? So just for example, in 2014, I looked at the crowds for the first week of the NRL final series and they averaged around 25,000, which I think is disgraceful. This was in 2014. But for a sport that is regarded as a national sport um, and a, you know, one of the most popular sports in Australia, crowds in New South Wales and Queensland, for example, aren't great when you compare them to the AFL. How do you bring more people to the game? Or is it just the fact that NRL is a TV product rather than a in-stadium viewing product? Is NRL considered a national sport? I didn't know. Um... It is the National Rugby League. <laughs> but I don't regard it as a national sport because it's not played in every state. I think that's huge. I think the other thing is um, it's, it's not as visually appealing when you're at the game. And... Um, See, AFL, the three-dimensional aspect of it, when you're at the game, the depth and this, the, I guess the vision you get to see over the field is much better than watching it on, on TV. Mm. But, um, but NRL is ideally, it's ideal for actually TV viewing. I end up, and I think we've done this before, we've gone to so many games, we're watching the screen to actually see what's happening. Like half the time we're watching the massive projector screen yeah. at the NRL game because it's just so hard to follow what's happening in that in that one hit, in that hit up space, which is on the field. So it's, I find, I, I don't really enjoy going to live NRL games. I much I prefer watching it at, uh, on TV. I want to look at the Don Apex performances for this Origin series. For me, the number one, we haven't mentioned his name yet, and it is a little unjustified because he was probably their most important player, Paul Gallant. I don't think he had a better series. He led from the front. He played prop. He played lock. No one ran harder and no one tackled harder 
than Paul Gallen. You know, he he was player of the series though for the so he did receive those accolades and he was given the recognition. I would say that I would say that New South Wales, it was a combination of the backs that the Morris brothers don't get enough credit and Josh Reynolds doesn't get enough credit. And I'm not saying Josh Reynolds was gun and he was the um like a maestro in terms of playmaking, but I think the niggle that he brought, he got under Thurston's skin. And if you watch game one and parts of game two, you can see Thurston is is off balance. He's off um he's off his natural game. And I think that if part of it is due to the new combination with DCE, yes. but part of it is also he was very frustrated um with Reynolds in his face the whole game. That's a good call. So Reynolds, Gallon, for me the third, I had him Hain. I thought this was a apex great series for him hayne was obviously a superstar in 2009 when Parramatta made the final but this year i think solidified himself he won the dally m he was just separated himself as the best player in rugby league from a most disappointing perspective it's a bit harsh for us to say someone was disappointing i call it trash in a can but i had to single out one player he was subpar for the entire series it was the player you mentioned jt jonathan thurston he perhaps you could say that losing his um other half um nine minutes into an origin series where they would have had you know hundreds and hundreds of sets where they would have practiced prior to origin together then having to learn how to work and coexist with dce daily cherry evans would have been a challenge but he didn't play that well with jt in this series i think jt was well below his best um just to add someone else into that is uh, is Hodges. And I'm not saying he played poorly, but when I was re-watching some of the games, I just realised how much of a grub. <laughs> every tackle that I saw him, every tackle you see, if you just re-watch it and look at every time he completes a tackle, he's got his elbow in the back of the player's head, <laughs> drilling it into the ground every time. It, during his time, he was one of the best centres in, in rugby league, um, played a lot for the Brisbane Broncos, made a career, made a name out of himself for Queensland. But in this series, he was somewhat of an afterthought. I think it's because he was marked up against Jennings, who's, who is just as strong and ridiculous start-stop acceleration and speed. Good call. So he couldn't match him in terms of that sort of change in direction and acceleration. And he got caught, he got caught out quite a few times. If you actually look at his positional play during the series, yeah. I think that's... Um, that frustrated him. And he, he just looks frustrated. If you actually like follow his movements, he just looks frustrated in his body language. He's always just pushing players around and he just... Um... So I want to finish with you, Bob, on one question. And it's a question I always ask at the end when we summarize a, a series or a, or a match. And it's in 30, 40 years time, you're a lot older, you're a lot wiser. Are you remembering the 2014 State of Origin series. Look, I'm not taking it to the grave, but I'm just um, <laughs> like it was a bit it was a big win at that point in time. But with the multiple losses after, this win will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. I was happy to talk about it because I think as you said, in 2014, having lost eight series in a row, you could say every year is a must win. 
but New South Wales needed something and they proved it and they played great footy. It didn't have a lot of memorable moments. It had more memorable defensive moments and, you know, it was a great physical contest, but I don't think it's a series that I will say in 30 years time, I'll be telling my kids or grandkids or anyone who wants to listen to me that, hey, you should watch the rewatch the 2014 State of Origin series on YouTube. I don't think I can say that. Watch the highlights though. You can watch the highlights. The 10 minute highlight packet <laughs> on YouTube was actually gone to watch. I mean, I agree, but I think this was a year, I will say that this was probably the swan song for Ray Warren. I really enjoyed his commentary during this Origin series, even rewatching it. He retired in 2020 or 2000, 2021, so a few years later, but this series still had that old Ray Warren energy and sound, which made it a great series. Yeah, it, for me, it's not a... I'm, I'm not going to be talking about it in 30 or 40 years' time. I might re-listen to this episode in 30, 40 years' time. But that didn't take away from the fact that it was a great New South Wales win and it was great to do it with you, Bob. Thanks for having me on. That's it for today's show. Thanks again to my guest, Anubhav. You'll be hearing a lot more from him in future episodes. Got some great episodes coming up in future weeks. Next week, we are looking at the Leicester Premiership. It's a very exciting season and one of the most miraculous results in sporting history. Heaps of other sporting action to talk about and they'll be releasing on a week-by-week basis and I might give you some sneak previews over the coming weeks. Enjoy your week and I'll see you next week. Same time.